Have you ever wondered why we do this? Why are we here? Is God here? And when we pray, does God hear us? Is he truly listening all of the time? Or are we just talking to ourselves in a quiet room? What about sin? Is it all so bad? Answers to questions like these can be hard to find. The Bible is more than just a collection of verses and chapters and books. It's, it's a whole, a story. And so, maybe when read as a narrative, we can better understand some things, like God's presence, His love, and sin. Today is all about that story. He is risen. He is risen. But that's the victory of the story. And like many stories, this one starts in an unexpected place. This one begins in a garden. Adam and Eve. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. On the earth, he planted a garden. This garden was full of all that is good, beautiful, flavorful, and fruitful. Thriving in this garden were flowers and trees, animals and insects, along with two humans. God himself would walk in this garden. He spent time there. He spent time with them. Then came the day when Eve did exactly what God had asked her not to do. Instantly, both she and Adam felt shame, a feeling that they had never experienced before. Their choice resulted in banishment. Their days would now be much more difficult than they were meant to be. There would be no more walks in the garden with God. For their actions, Adam and Eve were torn from God. Evil entered the world. God was heartbroken. There would be no more Eden. It was lost to the knowledge of good and evil. But God would not be cut off. He would, he would make a way for his children to have access. The Israelites. Then have them make a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell among them. God said it. He wanted to dwell, to live, to make his home with his people. He told them to build a tabernacle. His presence there was a physical and spiritual reality. The tabernacle was placed right in the center of the Israelite camp, in the center of their everyday lives. In this temple, there was a thick veil. It separated God's throne room from the sin of the people. Sin, defined as a crime, an offense, a failing. And don't you and I prefer good over evil? Don't you and I prefer true over false? Victory over defeat? You and I don't like sin. And because of God's perfect holiness, the only way for his people to have access was to separate himself from their sin with a veil. It was a taste, a morsel of the relationship they once had. 
How could his people get more? The Israelites had access points to God's presence. He asked them to bring sacrifices to him, animals, grains, and other offerings. By offering these sacrifices, the people were admitting to the things in their lives that weren't good. It was a symbolic, intangible act to keep the relationship with God, others, and themselves whole and healthy. For the life of the body is in its blood. I have given you the blood on the altar to purify you, making you right with the Lord. It is the blood given in exchange for a life that makes purification possible. Another access point was the high priest. He was a mediator. He would act on behalf of the people in the very presence of God, making amends for their sins and maintaining the holiness of God's dwelling place. God desperately wanted to be with his people. He wanted them to live good lives, and he had made a way, but still, they could only get so close. The curtain kept them apart. Sin kept them apart. Someone would be needed to redeem the people, to save them. Someone would have to tear the veil. Jesus, God's Son. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only Son. Jesus lived a powerful but short life. His three years of ministry were beautifully intense. Healing, relationship, teaching, followers, miracles. And then, betrayal, mockery, beating, false accusations. The mob screamed, crucify him. At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. At about three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Elahi, Elahi, Lema Sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Then Jesus shouted again, and he released his spirit. At that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The veil that separated holy God from man, torn wide open. His throne exposed, accessible. Jesus' blood, the blood of sacrifice. His body on the cross, our sins brought to the cross. The altar, carried, covered, paid for by the Son of God himself. The writer of the book of Hebrews puts it like this. So Christ has now become the high priest. Under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a young cow could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurity. Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciences from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us come boldly to the throne of our God.
gracious God. There, we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. questions, but the veil was torn. The price was paid. We can walk with God every day. We can cry to Him in our hours of need. We can have freedom from sin and shame. This is our story. And it may have started with sin, but it ends with life. Life As the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and rolled aside the stone and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel of the Lord spoke to the women, Don't be afraid, he said. Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said happened. God took drastic measures to be with us and to make it possible for us to be with him. Uh, years ago, my kids were a lot younger. They loved to play in mom and dad's cars. A picture of one of my kids at the steering wheel. All of our kids loved to do this. I had a two-year-old daughter who was particularly excited about playing in the car, so excited that one day she went into the house, got mom's keys, got dad's keys, went into the car, shut the doors, hit the little lever, and locked all the doors unknowingly. Uh, it was a summer day. She was out there in the front yard. Uh, it was cute at the moment, uh, locked in the car, but, you know, as the sun is starting to brighten and uh, the car gets a little bit hotter, uh, parents are starting to get pretty panicked, um, and we're doing our very best to sort of do the charade thing to get her over to where that little silver lever is, that if she just lifts it, all the locks automatically pop up, and we can open the doors and uh, extract her uh, from, from the car, uh, but she's not following along. She's not tracking with us. And the fun of it all began to wear off, and uh, uh, my, my daughter started to panic, and we began to panic. And I began to think that I was going to have to do something drastic. I was going to have to bust out some window in the car in order to, uh, to, to, to get her out before something, uh, uh, something bad happened. Uh, we were able to get a tow truck driver and get a little tool and get that, that door open eventually. But, it, but if you're a parent or you know the, 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 the adrenaline that can rush through your body when someone you love is in danger, then you have a bit of an idea of what the father heart of God is for those who have been, who've been locked away from trapped because of sin. See, God took drastic measures because sin broke our friendship with him. Nathan talked about that. He talked about how, how sin is, well, it's this word that sometimes we don't fully understand. And uh, it, it's, it's one of those words that carries with it some weight. It, it's, simply, it's simply an offense. It's, it's, to, it's to have hurt or betrayal, lies, deceit, hatred, uh, manipulation, anything like that can damage a friendship. You know that fully well and God knows that fully well. 
And in the story of humanity, we sinned against God and we offended him. And that broke the friendship. But God was not satisfied with that. He, he took drastic measures so that you and I, so we could be with him again. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, who took on flesh, who became an ordinary human being, setting aside his divine prerogatives so that we could, we could come to God again. You know, I don't think oftentimes we appreciate the incarnation, that, that Jesus would leave the glory of heaven and take on human flesh. Uh, one, one, one way to sort of imagine it is, you know, if there was some species of toad that was going to go extinct unless someone saved him, and you had the ability to become a toad to save all other toads, and you did, that would be a little bit like this, this, this downgrade that Jesus experienced by taking on humanity. But he did it willingly because his father was taking drastic measures so that you could be saved, so that you could be rescued because we were trapped in sin and locked out from the presence of God. Jesus Christ went to the cross. He, he lived that human life sinless. He went to the cross to pay our sin debt. We were spiritually bankrupt apart from Christ. But Christ went to the cross and paid our sin debt so that we could be free, so, that, so the doors could be unlocked, so that we could enter in once again to the presence of God, so that we could be with him. Not in some sweet by and by, like down the road, down later after we die. No, so that we could be with him today. And on a day like this, when we celebrate the empty tomb, if you're a Christ follower, then you know full well that, that Christ, he, he's conquered death. Death has died. And the life we now live, we live in him. We say, we say no to that old life, and we embrace the resurrected life. You see, Christ did not go to the cross. He did not conquer death so that we could pray some sinner's prayer and live however the hell we wanted so that someday we could avoid hell. That was not the aim of, of Christ giving his life on the cross. No, he went to the cross. He walked out of a tomb so that you and I, too, could die to sin and enjoy the resurrected life today and be with him. And yes, when we take our last breath here on earth, we take our first breath in heaven. And if you're a Christ follower, perhaps today is a day for you to deepen your commitment to Christ. To say, that old life, I'm leaving behind because that's what got us into trouble in the first place. And God has made a way where there did not seem to be a way. But maybe you're here today, you're here on this Easter weekend, you're not normally going to church, grandma bribed you with a ham, or there's some Easter egg hunt happening later, and you're here. And you hear this whole story, and you're just putting in your time because in your mind, this just isn't true. 
years ago, my wife was doing some grocery shopping. The kids were at school. They were about to get out, and she was going uh, to do some, some of that grocery shopping. Uh, she was going pretty quick because, you know, if you're mom or dad, you know the joy of, of shopping for groceries without little kids around. Little kids, we love you. Uh, but, you know, it just happens a little quicker and more efficiently when, when mom and dad are doing it on their own. So that's what Trina's doing. Uh, she's, uh, she's going through the cashier line. She's, she's paying the bill, and she's rushing out, and she gets in our, our car. It's an eggplant-colored. Dodge Grand Caravan. She sits in the driver's seat, tosses the groceries on the passenger seat, and as she does that, she notices on the on the floor in front of the passenger seat, there's um, some um, some candy wrappers, uh, Reese's peanut butter cup uh, candy wrappers. There, now those have a soft spot spot in my heart, um, and uh, Trina will admit that at that moment she was irked for a couple of reasons. Number one, that I had consumed so many of them, and number two, that I threw the wrappers so carelessly on the on the van floor. Um, and, and and she then turned to put the key in the ignition. She looked in the rearview mirror and saw a blanket in the back, and was wondering where in the world did that blanket come from. And at that moment, she hears some rapping of knuckles on the the, the driver's side door. And as she turns and looks, there is a woman whose face is just ghastly, ghostly white. Uh, and she says to Trina, "What are you doing?" And it's at that moment that Trina, Trina realizes there are two eggplant Dodge colored uh, Dodge Grand caravans in that uh, in that uh, parking lot. Ever been there? Fully convinced that you were in the right place. Fully convinced that you were right, only to be embarrassingly uh, discovered that uh, that you were oh so wrong. Is that you? Have you? discarded Jesus? Have you set aside the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Have been so convinced in your mind only to find out, oh, it's oh so true. See, on this Easter, this could be a day where the light comes on for you that God took drastic measures through his son so that you could be with him. He made himself accessible to you the, the friendship was broken, but now the friendship has been reconciled and you can be with God. Yes, you can be with him after you die, but you can be with him today. You can have the stain of sin removed, the weight of the shame and the guilt lifted off, and you can do life with God. And that is the good news of the, of, of, of the gospel, of, of the cross and the empty tomb.